good morning, Brittany. So wonderful to have you on here today. Uh, your bio came across my desk. Uh, Rasco sent it over to look at everything that you did, and I saw your expertise, it looks like, in the cannabis space with the different businesses and stuff that you've started up. And as a budding entrepreneur in the cannabis industry myself, I was like, this is someone that I would like to meet. So now I have a, a forum that I can interview her on, so let's have her on and maybe not only myself gain some knowledge, but also the listeners that are listening in that might want to be getting into the cannabis space, depending on their state and what's going on. And I think you might be able to provide some insight and in what you've done and the different maybe challenges that you've came across and stuff. There's a lot of hurdles in this industry. And so let's talk about some of that today. So good morning and thank you for being here. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to our chat today. So where are you located at and where have you taken this deep dive into, into cannabis at? Yeah. So Slang Worldwide is a Denver-based company. Uh, we started in 2012. And so really kind of at the very early stages of cannabis legalization, uh, yes. we actually got started in, in the medical market within Colorado. And then you know, we're there as recreational uh, legalization passed for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, feel feel very fortunate to be with a company that's, you know, been a part of growing this industry over the last decade. I will be celebrating nine years with the company here in August. Congratulations. So I've been with the company for, for a very long time, you know, started couple years out of college um, and really kind of had the opportunity to, to come in and work really closely with some of the original founders. You know, today I'm the VP of marketing here at Slang. And so, you know, I really play a heavy role in our brand and product development, um, you know, regional marketing and how we roll out and support our brands in the markets that we operate in. And then also our, our e-commerce efforts where we are able to sell to customers online direct to consumer. Go ahead and talk about Slang. What is that? Give a little shout out to your brand. What does Slang do and what do they provide and where can people find them at? I'm assuming yeah. in Colorado, but maybe some other states, hopefully. Yep, definitely. Yeah, so Slang um, is the parent company of three brands that you might be familiar with. Uh, the first is Open. Um, so the company started as Open Vape back in 2012. Um, and we were really kind of one of the first companies to put cannabis oil inside of Vape Pen. Um, it was one of the first, I remember. Yeah. So I think normal. more than that, like the the value proposition of the brand was that we wanted to be the the brand that you could trust and, and stand behind, right? Like we wanted to bring cannabis out from behind the shadows. Um, I think there was a lot of misinformation um, and propaganda around cannabis. And we really wanted a product that you we would stand behind. Um, and so how we did that was like we offered a lifetime warranty on our batteries. You know, if your cartridge had any issues after you purchased it, we were going to stand behind that as long as it was within, you know, a, a reasonable time period. <laughs> you went back and let us know. You know. We we gave away the batteries a lot when you bought the cartridge and we just tried to put a face to the name and really, you know, educate consumers in store on on this industry. So that's that's our, our largest brand and the brand that is today in, in 12 markets that we operate within. Uh, last year, we rolled out a edible line called Alchemy Naturals. These are all effect-based gummies um, that we sell on the THC and the CBD side. So we leverage minor cannabinoids and adaptogens, so herbs and mushrooms, to create a more effect-based experience for those products. And then the, the last brand in our portfolio is Series Collaborative. This is a Vermont-based retail operation. 
Um, they're one of our longest, they were one of our longest licensed partners on the OPEN side. Um, and when Vermont passed legislation to go adult use, I think back in, in 2020, uh, we decided to to merge the companies together to kind of allow the opportunity to to succeed and, and grow the business even more within Vermont. So you've been there for nine years, you said. Well, congratulations yeah. on that. That's a long time. I mean, being in, in this type of space for any extended period of time and, and doing well in it, it takes a lot of dedication. That's what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of people, it, they look at it as just a quick buck, I think, too many times. And there's a lot of people that found out the hard way in the beginning that that wasn't the case. And so bravo to you guys for for staying the course. And that really you know, gives a testimony to your what you said in the beginning, the dedication of quality, wanted to bring cannabis from you know behind a curtain, behind closed doors, let people know what it's about, remove the stigmatism. I love that. And that's probably why you guys have been able to do what you've been able to do is that s- statement and that standing to quality and not being hidden about anything and being an open book and letting people question and then giving that education and that knowledge back so that way people can feel confident about the products that they're using. In your job in marketing and stuff, what has, uh, how do I want to phrase this? How have you educated consumers over the years to continue removing that stigmatism, to get people to purchase cannabis more frequently, to get those new users, those new markets, and especially where we're at today, you know, we went you started in Colorado at the beginning of uh, rec, full rec adult use, which is one of the first states. Uh, so many states went adult use after Colorado and following their model and everything. What has what has been some of those initial hurdles, and then how have you? Conti- how did you conquer those and educate the consumers to help them get to where we're at today? Yeah, you know, it's been a, an interesting and a fun challenge. And I'd say you know one challenge that you experience too is like legalization of cannabis is happening at different paces throughout the country, right? So as we enter a new market, you might have to start kind of back to basics. Um, But a couple like tools and frameworks that we've developed over the years that I think have been really helpful. And I think from our perspective, and I'll I'll speak um, more to open through this, is that we kind of want to be somewhere in the middle, right? Like we don't want to go full simplified kind of like Dosis does with vaping. And we're not kind of speaking to like the the true connoisseur either. We're kind of trying to be somewhere in the middle, right? Where we're like breaking down some of the scientific terminology behind cannabis. Why is it working the way that it does in in hopefully an easy to understand way? And a few things that we've done for that is we've moved all of our uh, products into effect-based categories. So we don't use Indica Sativa Hybrid. We use Energizing Euphoric relaxing and sleepy so that as you walk into the dispensary and you're thinking about, do I want strawberry cheesecake or blue dream or green crack? You can mm-hmm. kind of think about, okay, how do I want to feel first? And then we start to educate the the layer onto that is the types of terpenes and flavor profiles that you might expect from those type of effect-based categories. And we have a really nice graphic that we use that we can show customers either the bud tender can in store for their popping up at the store, we can kind of educate them and show kind of like, here are the terpenes that are commonly found in that product and, and what you might be able to expect so that you have a good understanding of how that product is going to be experienced. You know, a few other fun things that we've done to layer onto that right now, we're developing a feel and flavor activation that we'll be using at our pop-ups, which is kind of a, a terpene bar experience. So really kind of trying to 
bring the five senses and like this idea of prop theory into education, right? Like if there's something sticky and tangible that you will remember about what we just talked about, it you know, it's going to stay with you for a lot longer and help you create that mental connection of, oh, that's, you know, limonene, that's a, a lemon scent. And that's going to be in maybe some more of those energizing strains versus the the sleepy ones. You know, other things that we use, like when we when we first started, it was like, what are the benefits of vaping? Why would you decide to vape versus like any other type of consumption? And like, what are kind of five easy things that you might remember about that? You know, it's a more potent offering. It's going to take effect more quickly, things like that, that we can really use to educate the consumer on, you know, one, the product category and the benefits there, and then a, a layer deeper, right? Like as you're starting to look within those strains, you know, how are some ways that you can remember the types of strains or the types of terpenes that tend to work well for you? Um, so that's that's really been our approach is like, how can we create educational pieces of marketing material that we can, um, you know, socialize and, and share with our customers to help them understand the value of the the product category that they're exploring. And then within that, like what type of effect are they looking for and how can they get that more consistently and in a repeatable way? I love that. It, it is all about the terpenes. I have a question on that. Have you, in a lot of markets in the beginning, um, it was a, more about THC percentage. We saw that We've seen that in so many markets. I live out in Las Vegas currently. I just moved back. I lived out here uh, from 2017 to uh, end of 2019. Back then, the and it's wonderful to see now, but back then, the dispensaries out here, that's what they focused on, the highest THC content, highest THC content. Now, coming back a few years later, walking in these same dispensaries, they have uh, these terpene information boards up on the wall, and, and that's how they shop. or I should say that's how the bud tenders are guiding you to shop is what type of effect are you wanting to feel today and different stuff. And so I love how we've gotten to that point, but we see, it seems like we saw the same trend. Are we still seeing that? Is that still the same thing that we're battling in these new markets that pop up that trying to get consumers to switch over is, Hey, it's just, it doesn't matter how high the THC content is. It matters about other things in the plant. Yeah. I, I think generally speaking, like you still see THC percentage like reign supreme in like the customer's mm-hmm. decision making process. And right. so that's something that we're always considering is like, how do you balance this uh, demand that the customer is coming in for with, you know, creating a, a great product? Because we know that it's more than just about the THC percentage. So how do you kind of balance those scales a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is an interesting thing that's happening, right? Because I don't feel like I know that many people that go, you know, shopping for alcohol and then they're like, I want the strongest alcohol you have, (laughs) right? Um, Nobody's getting ever clear on a daily. It's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting that that's the reason, you know, the the main purchase driver um, right now. But I do think that terpenes and the, the broader picture of how cannabis all comes together to give you the effect that you're looking for is a little bit of a uncharted territory for the the common consumer, right? Like there's so many people still that are like walking into the dispensary for the first time um, or it's only their first couple times. And it tends to be like a pretty hands-on overwhelming experience too. Like I have said before in the past, especially in, in some markets where you can't hold the product, it's like mm-hmm. 
almost as intimate as like buying a diamond, right? You're like, if you want to see a product, you have to ask the bud tender that you're talking to, and then they're going to pull it off the shelf and show it to you. And then if you want to look at another one, they have to go back and get that and you have to ask the questions. And I think it just feels overwhelming. And so you're like, oh, well, I'll just take the highest potency one that you have um, because you don't know how to ask the questions or you're feeling like you're not sure how to navigate this, right? So I think we try to come up with ways to to help consumers understand that, but I think it's something that's just going to take time, right? It's still pretty new, all things considered. Yeah. And it's the responsibility of the brands and the companies. It's our responsibility to do that for the consumers because you do get that chance on that first time consumer. So that's when we, you know, should make that initial impact, ease of access, make, make it easy for them to shop and understand. It was crazy during COVID trying to shop for cannabis. I mean, not only could you not touch anything, then they took away being able to smell it and <laughs> anywhere. And that's impossible for me. I had so many bad experiences during COVID because my way that I shop is the nose nose. You know, I don't care about the THC percentages. I will look at some of the strains because then I know the terpene content. So I'm going to go after some of those because I know the terpenes I like, but it definitely goes off smell. There's so many times I got something and it was just, I was so unhappy with it as soon as I got home and yeah, that was a, a big shift. I know some of our retail partners have said like, you know, I think pre-COVID, it was pretty nominal how many people were shopping online. And now you see like upwards of like 40% of all transactions happen through yeah. that online pre-order function. So it definitely has been a, a big shift. But to your point, you can't you can't smell it online, but you can at least read about it a little bit more at least you can uh, read about on your it. own before yeah. you go in. <laughs> Well, and that's where that education then comes definitely down into of, of understanding what each part of the plan is so that way you know how to properly buy. Yep. You started up, so I know you you sling, and then there's the three companies underneath that, but is there other brands that you've helped start up in your time in these last nine years? Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when I first started at the company, there was a few different founders that had come together to kind of bootstrap the growth and some of them had, you know, other brands that they were focused on or over the years through partnership, um, other brands came into play. Yeah, I think at one point the company had six different brands within our portfolio, but as you're maybe seeing, like we decided uh, about a year and a half ago that we were going to, to really focus on the highest value products within our portfolio. Um, I think there was a little bit of shiny object syndrome that started to happen. <laughs> and so we have kind of rationalized some of those brands out of the portfolio um, over time to really focus on the the highest value and highest opportunity and how can we do the best job with, um, you know, kind of the best ingredients that we have uh, within our uh, our quiver. We have had other brands in the past, but we are just three right now and really trying to focus on on doing the best that we can with those brands building out the product lines, adding, you know, additional SKUs within those, um, but less focused on on building the brand portfolio. What was the driving out of college to say, I want to start my marketing and everything in cannabis instead of going towards another industry, another space? Yeah. I went to school at CU Boulder. I was finishing up my degree around the time that cannabis was becoming legalized, have been a, a personal advocate of it. And yeah, I think for me, the thing that was most compelling coming into it was the idea of being able to shape and grow a new industry. Uh, I think the last time that has happened was the dot-com era. 
So I think the idea of like a brand new category and being able to be on the forefront of of building that for my kind of entrepreneurial spirit and, and itch, that was really interesting. The The other piece that's really kept me motivated and excited to be a part of this industry over the last decade has been, you know, outside of just the recreational benefits or value of cannabis and, and having it be a substitution to alcohol, I've really seen the the wellness and medicinal benefits of this plant. And that is really motivating to me. Like I feel like what I do at the end of the day, even though slang is definitely in that adult use general wellness category, being able to see when when we first started, there was a lot of um, cannabis refugee families that were moving to Colorado. You were donating cannabis oil to some of those families of children who were suffering from severe forms of epilepsy and to be able to see those videos of them getting cannabis oil after they were they were suffering from something like that and it really just kind of slowing everything down and, and taking away the seizure is is just so profound and you know there's there's stories within that vein through a lot of different angles that people have had value and benefit from cannabis so I think to me, the idea that you know we're doing something good at the end of the day, and that there is like a a greater purpose uh, for humanity around cannabis has been uh, you know incrementally motivating uh, to be in the industry for so long. That's the part of cannabis I love. It's what got me into cannabis originally back in 2013. Was working with a, a private four patients grow up, and that was all it was for was just these dedicated patients. We took care of them, grew it, processed it into the medicine and they were primarily elderly patients as well and that has been my experience all throughout my years in cannabis is that yes there's a lot of money to be made and yes you hear the bad stories and the greed and stuff but i wish this other side got more publicity but at the same time i like how it doesn't and i like what we do because there's a lot of people within cannabis that truly just give from their heart mm -hmm. truly just take care of others uh, they see a need they, they and they fill it i've seen it on people taking care of family members or, or taking care of people that are not their family members and treating them like family, you know, opening up their home to them, giving them free treatment. I knew this, uh, this farmer, he opened up his house, uh, to this family, had him come, come in. Uh, it was because of their kids. He gave them free medicine, housed them for a little while while they were looking for housing, fed them, just cared for him. He was, came like a grandpa, if you will, to like the kids there. And I've seen other people, business owners, uh, founders of businesses, CEOs. I've seen this even today here recently uh, and within this last year of a company that uprooted from California out to Florida and they completely paid, they paid for all of the moving expenses for 50 of their employees and their families, helped them get into housing and everything uh, straight out of the owner's pockets, not even out, you know, yes, people be like, well, the company did that. Yeah, but it, it came out of the owners as well, you know, they- yeah. and, seeing that type of stuff back in the beginning you know people forget about that but there was there was a lot of people uprooting their families to move to states such as colorado specifically or washington or out to Cal now, there wasn't a lot of people moving to california because it's so expensive to live out in california but still there were people doing that or cannabis most of the time for their kids i had a uh, senator sharif street on the show the other day and it was very encouraging to hear that's why Pennsylvania went legal is because that is the only thing that works for epileptic seizures is cannabis oil. And so they recognize that 
I'm like, all right, there's a lot of kids, primarily kids suffering out here. That's something that hits very close to home with me. I have friends that have experienced that and it's, it's amazing to see the benefits that cannabis oil can do. And I wish we could just amplify the, the medical benefits more, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's great to see though, that there is uh, finally research and, and studies being done on it. And I think to your point, like the particularly the people who have been in this industry for a long time, there's a lot of passion and a lot of, um, you know, wanting to share the value of what the plant holds um, with the people who need it most. So I think the the community is doing what it can to take care of each other. Yeah. Now, are you just based in Colorado? You mentioned Vermont earlier. Have you helped in any other states with either legalization or companies starting up and helping their efforts? Yeah. So... We own our operations in Colorado, um, and then, like I mentioned, our partner um, in Vermont has been one of our long-standing partners. And when uh, legalization passed in the state, uh, we we decided to acquire them. Um, so I did help. I do help and actively oversee our, our marketing efforts in in that state. So um, you know, that's a, a retail operation, and then our brands, Open and Alchemy Naturals, are there as well as you know we support a lot of local brands on the shelf. Um, that was an exciting project. I got to help with the the build out of the store. Um, you know, help contribute to to just helping Vermonters uh, yeah. celebrate and and enjoy adult use cannabis. We just had our first 420 um, adult use there, so that that's been a fun that's market. Awesome. Um, we're also in in 12 other states where cannabis is legal. So how that works in those states is through a licensing agreement. Um, so they license the the rights to our brand. Uh, and then we help support them from a sales and marketing perspective. Let's talk about some certain things while we still have some time. You spoke on something there. You spoke about being able to use your license or your brand in other states and how that's done. Can you speak to some of if there's any challenges to that or kind of the go around for people? Because that's that's one of the challenges that we face right now. If you're in the cannabis industry, a lot of times it almost feels like you're tied to one state. Yeah. You know? unless you know the ways around to start branching out. And there's many people that do want to branch out of these amazing brands. How can they branch out? How can they get their product and keep that same dedication of quality, but branch out into other states? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can come at entering additional markets. I mean, I think all of them have have their pros and cons. Um, you know, one of the tactics that we've taken is has been licensing. I think the the added value there is the uh, ability to enter new markets in a more capital light manner. Uh, we don't have to buy a license. We don't have to set up a facility, right? We're yeah. working through a partner for that. You know, the ability to to enter those markets maybe a little bit more quickly than you would be if you were setting up operations. You know, I think some of the the challenges are it's another layer, right? So right now we're the manufacturer. We sell to the dispensaries, who then sell to the end consumer through the licensing model. You're adding another layer, right? So we're the we're the brand, uh, and then we have our partner who's manufacturing our product, yeah. and we have to get it to the dispensary who has to get it to the end consumer. So I think it's just an additional layer of coordination um, mm-hmm. that you know can can cause things to be slower. Maybe something got missed in communication, and so I think you know being really strong communicators um, and having you know, even more advanced planning than you would maybe need in other markets so that your partners bought in on either bringing on additional strains or doing a promotion that might work with them and making sure that they can, you know, flex to the demand and the capacity 
uh, volumes or as you're building your brand, right? Like that partner is often probably manufacturing something else as well. So, right. you know, having that balance of yeah. ensuring that your brand gets the the priority and the attention that, that you're hoping for in that market. And you know, I think as long as you know some of those challenges going in, they're definitely ones that you can you can mitigate um, and, and be successful with. But, you know, I think the the additional piece of having partners is, you know, everybody's kind of strategic planning is is always changing and evolving. The industry changes at like an incredibly fast rate. So, um, yeah, we've been doing licensing for a long time. And, you know, there's some partners that, you know, after you do it for a certain amount of time, it just maybe it doesn't make sense anymore. I mean, you end up parting ways just because of the nature of how that market's evolving or how that partner's you know, role has changed within the space and, and things like that. So I think being really adaptable and, and agile to those market conditions. And I think the other piece of it too is every state's super different from a regulatory perspective, right? So like yes. our labels have to be different in every market. Um, you know, what we can and can't do from a marketing perspective is different in every market. And so, you know, being really well educated on those things and, and able to adapt and respond to those is really important. Have you guys ran into any issues keeping the quality of your product the same from market to market? I imagine you have working with different um, licensees. And like you said, they're also producing other brands, possibly not just your brand. So how have you been able to maintain a quality and a consistency across your brand to then build that brand loyalty that is, that is so important when you're growing a, an inter, not an international, but a national brand like yourselves, like Open, or Open. How have you been able to do it? Yeah. Or have you been able to do it? Yeah. I, I think there's certain products that we've been really successful with it in and, and some where we've been less successful and we, we take those learnings and try to grow and adapt from there. I think a couple things that we do for sure that helps with that consistency is that we it require the same hardware to be used across all of all of the markets that we're in, right? So that we know that the the performance and the um, puff that you get out of that uh, cartridge remains the same. Um, yeah, you know, we ask for certain you know potency parameters within the the distillate that's being used, um, and then on our our daily strains line, those are botanically derived terpenes. So we mm-hmm. send our licensee the the terpene formulations. Yep. Um, you know, we also have cannabis derived terpene uh, products as well, and that's where it gets like a little bit more difficult, right? Because yeah. your partner might not grow or have access to the same mm-hmm. strain, and you know, um, frankly, a blue dream grown in Colorado versus a blue dream grown in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania is gonna uh, it's completely different. different characteristics yep. anyways mm-hmm. there's no there's no requirements or framework around how to grow cannabis consistently quite yet um, but we are looking at some opportunities um, to have more consistency within the cannabis derived terpene space and that is a, a product initiative that we're we're actively working on right now so you know I'll, I'll say that we have have found a way to achieve consistency at some levels but you know I think the the truth of the matter is like cannabis from market to market, it just is going to be a little bit different, unfortunately. I ran into that same thing. Uh, we, with one of our products with the standard by black market our hemp company, we use uh, cannabis and hemp derived terps for the, the flavoring. We don't use any botanicals yet. We've only ever used uh, cannabis and hemp derived, which has made us a little bit special in this space, just because most everybody else use botanical, but that is the challenge. 
Um, that's why our strains have varied from batch to batch because not being able to get that same strain anymore, like you mentioned. And then also some of the, the flavor profile changed a little bit from batch to batch because it is, you know, strain specific and cannabis tastes different. Like you said, depending on where it's grown at, I think that's what's special about inhalable is a more challenging category. I think within Mm -hmm. edibles, it's a little bit easier to have a more consistent product, right? Cause you're, yeah. The ingredients and the flavor that you're going after. Um, well, most of the time, people don't want their edibles tasting super dank, you know? So <laughs> I have found the best, uh, if you can do a good full infusion, accurately dosed, giving still people a broad spectrum while giving them what they want um, and making it taste good and and not stick to their teeth and, you know, all those different all those different things. And that's what got me into, into cannabis in the first place was edibles, just because I didn't like where edibles edibles have came a long way now such a long way there's people out there doing amazing things way better than i ever did but what got me in originally was i just was not happy with what was out there and wanted a better quality product and i love it that there's that's why a lot of people that are still in it today got into it originally is because they had a good connection with it right whether that be personal or a family member just seeing the benefits of what it does mine was a personal had a personal connection with it and what it did for me and then wanting to see it do something better and helping it grow. And so it's, that's why I wanted to have yourself on. I'm sure that there's been some, we've talked about a couple of just some hurdles and stuff along the way, but what, what are three keys to your success? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I'd say having an open mind and an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit is like key to anybody coming into this industry. You know, every time I I interview people for a new role at our company, you know, one of the, the big things I say is, you know, why I love this job is that no two days are the same. Um, but that's going to be cause for you to be really excited and also want to pull yeah. your hair out depending on the day. So yeah. I think the ability to to have an open mind and have an entrepreneurial attitude on how do you adapt uh, within the environment that you're in um, is so important. I think to build off that and through a marketing lens, like I think creativity is huge. Uh, this is a highly regulated industry that we're in. Um, so the ability to market to consumers through channels that you might traditionally in other other spaces is is not really available. So I think having a a creative approach to marketing and how you get in front of consumers is is incredibly important. Um, and then I think just having fun, right? Like at the end of the day, uh, this is the cannabis industry where we're trying to add value in a positive way to people's lives. And I think having that that mindset and mentality as you approach your work is like, how do you add value um, through what you're doing every day is uh, really important to being successful here. Like we're trying to to create a meaningful connection with consumers and through something that is, you know, a little bit more part of their their personal and, and recreational lives. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to ha- have that personal life yourself. There's some uh, you have a French bulldog, correct? I do. Yeah, his name's Sumo. <laughs> Sumo. I have a French bulldog as well. Her name is Dior. I love uh, her. She's that. Uh, we've only she's only six months old though, so just new into owning a French bulldog. But oh my god, Sumo's they are. Co- He's my COVID baby. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. We have we have a we have a COVID baby as well of our, our other puppy, but she's she's totally the COVID baby. She's a 
very she's a healer so by nature she's very shy but okay. covid didn't help that at all with everybody wearing masks and social distancing and everything and so trying to re-socialize her has been fun but she's a sweetheart but the frenchies oh my god they just they just love everybody and they're a whole bundle of personality a whole bundle sure. so, <laughs> so much fun thank you so much Brittany, for being on here today and talking to us about some of your experiences and stuff in cannabis and some of the challenges and then just giving us uh some hope there at the end and it really comes down just to passion i think that's been the the key through cannabis and its success and why it's still here and why we have legalization and record going recreational and adult use in so many places is passion people being dedicated to it people seeing it past just a a recreational plant seeing its medicinal power and that's why it's been pushed through most states start medicinally and then they go rec um there's only been I don't even think there there was the one state. There was there was South Dakota, but then that came back really fast where they passed, you know, medical and rec at the same time. And then the the governor, she didn't like that. And so she vetoed that. But medical has always been true. And so uh, I appreciate you guys' um coming through and helping on that and maintaining that commitment to the quality there and look forward to seeing what OPEN and what Slang does here in the future. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brittany. Have a wonderful day. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.